When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to the Junkyard Dogcast and the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We have a, of a uh, crossover episode. We do these every once in a while with some of the SEC websites here on 24-7 Sports. I am Jordan Hill from Dogs 24-7. We got Graham Hall from Swamp 24-7 with us on this Wednesday afternoon as we get ready for Georgia-Florida, or Graham, maybe uh, the folks with the Gator side say Florida-Georgia. The big game in Jacksonville, the game that uh, we all know and have come to love over the years, the big game that um, usually has a whole lot of say in who goes to Atlanta by the time we get to December. A lot to discuss on this episode, getting ready to watch the Bulldogs and the Gators on Saturday. Graham, I'll just start with you. How has uh, Georgia week been for you guys getting ready for this big matchup and um, maybe just what you guys have heard so far this week getting ready for this big game? Yeah, two teams coming off a bye per usual where you really I, – I love that, honestly, because you get them at their very best throughout the season – uh, no team can say that there's an unfair advantage here. They get to clean some stuff up, and it usually results in a competitive football game. Now, obviously, Georgia, their dominance has been well-documented over at your site, especially you guys do a fantastic job covering the program and Kirby Smart and especially the recruiting trail. And so if you've been paying attention, you know that there is a gap. There's a little bit of a divide between these two programs in terms of overall talent, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a competitive game. Anytime you come to a rivalry battle, I think that there's a lot of optimism on both sides. You, you often get these teams at their best, and, and really anything can happen in this contest. And, and there's a lot for Florida, I think, to hang their hat on and, and be impressed with the strides that they've made this season. Uh, both of these teams, it's kind of a, a good on good in terms of third down conversion. You know, Georgia, one of the best teams on third down in the country, and the Gators are up from number 129 in the country from last year to number 10 in third down conversion percentage defense heading into this game. So this could be a defensive battle possibly here. Obviously a a very, very dominant Georgia team here, but I think Florida is feeling confident that it's going to be a lot more competitive matchup than it has been in recent years. Obviously we'll find out. On Saturday, but I think Florida is cautiously optimistic. If I had to describe the vibe around the program heading into this, they have a chance to get healthier. They have a lot of defensive statistics that they can, you know, hang hang their hat on. And I think Graham Mertz, you know, the the better of the Grams here in Gainesville. I don't have that title anymore. I don't know if I ever did, but Graham Mertz has been. I'm going to say it. He's been transcendent in terms of how he's been able to lead Florida's offense efficiently. I don't think he's been responsible for either of the interceptions 
that he has to his name this season here. I think he's outperformed a lot of those projections that happened during talking season. And this is, I think, a lot more daunting of a, a matchup for, for the dogs in terms of just how well Florida is than it was two, three months ago, because Florida looks a lot more capable than they did heading into the offseason. Yeah, you need to give yourself a little bit more credit, Graham. But uh, that that is to say that Graham Mertz, and I've written about this this week, has really impressed me. And, you know, I watched the Utah game. You, I'm sure uh, you and Jacob Rudner were there or, or one of you guys were to see it live. And I came out of that game being like, this looks real rough. And credit to Graham Mertz, credit to Billy Napier, credit to the entire Florida team, because I've been very impressed. Went back and watched some of that South Carolina game, and I know that it was a lot closer than they wanted and had to make some big plays at the end. But a lot of credit to them for how they've turned it around and the way they've played in recent weeks. Uh, Graham, I wanted to start from the top with this Florida team and just ask you about health-wise. Where is this team? Are, are there players that are banged up? Because uh, it certainly is the case for Georgia that there's a few guys um, that we're very intrigued about when it comes to the injury report. Yeah, I think the big one for Florida is starting center Kingsley Aguacan. You know, that's a guy who dealt with a high angle sprain back in preseason camp. That's a nasty injury, right? I mean, you don't want to rush back from that. It can kind of be hard to know when you're going to be fully healthy from that. Some people have surgery to repair that that injury. Florida had him in a walking boot for four weeks, tried to have him come back after two games and kind of re-aggravated it. So he has been a question mark really since he made that return against Tennessee. Um, in his place has been Jake Slaughter, a redshirt sophomore, third-year guy from Jacksonville, who has looked a lot better since that Utah game when he got that start against the Utes. He's graded out really, really well, according to Pro Football Focus, as a run blocker, and I think that that is huge for Florida, especially what they like to do with that backfield unit of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. But Kingsley, has he, has he plays an edge, man. I mean, he absolutely is a guy that he makes everyone around him better. Just, you know, an absolute monster, if you ask me. I mean, maybe not grading out as well as he would like because he's been banged up going back to even last season, but he's someone you want on your roster. I think that he does end up going against Georgia, but I do think that it's going to be, it could be a little bit iffy here. He's a veteran, so probably they're limiting him in practice from what we're hearing to make sure that he doesn't re-aggravate anything. But that's the guy that I would expect to see out there, but they're also going to use Jake Slaughter. That's the big one for Florida heading into this contest. Another one to watch is cornerback Devin Moore. He was kind of a surprise scratch for that game against South Carolina. Didn't appear on the depth chart to be injured, but we heard throughout the week that maybe there was something going on with him behind the scenes, they choose to be cautious, maybe because of the situation with Kingsley earlier in the season. And I would expect him to be back to really give a boost to that young secondary. That's really about it, Florida, from an injury standpoint. And it really pales in comparison to what y'all are dealing with up there because you have a generational talent that is going to miss this game. I know you asked Kirby Smart earlier today if Brock Bowers would be there in Jacksonville for that game. Just his presence alone. As a veteran leader, a guy who can provide tips on the sidelines and just, you know, that's an absolute leader for your team. I, I'd assume you'd want him there, but with travel rules, and we know that they raised the travel roster um, ahead of the year to 74. That's an interesting question. Just what are you hearing on Brock Bowers? And, and are you expecting him to be there for the game? And, and if he's not, you know, obviously he's not going, but who's going to step up? I don't know if you can really replace him, but who's going to be out there for uh, at tight end for Georgia this week? 
Yeah, like you mentioned, Graham, I asked Kirby on the teleconference about Brock. He said they haven't decided if he's going to travel. You know, it's speculation on my part, but I think that he will travel just because of what he'll mean to the sideline, to the team. And you had something similar last year with Nolan Smith after he got hurt in the Florida game, continued to make those road trips and, and was a huge vocal leader for that team despite not being able to play. Who's going to step up? Graham, that is the uh, million-dollar question for this Georgia team. As far as tied in, I think it's going to be Oscar Delp. He is the most experienced of the other scholarship tied ins. Played quite a bit with Brock even before Brock got hurt. Um, I don't think that he's going to have the same kind of production because no disrespect to Oscar Delp, but he's not Brock Bowers. And that's something that Kirby talked about in the immediate aftermath of Brock's injury, that it's not going to take just one guy. You know, it's going to be several different guys stepping up. And I think you're going to see that in the passing game. Uh, the guy that I'm the most intrigued by is Lad McConkey because he's a guy that's been battling a back injury uh, going back to fall camp. He's been quite limited. He has not been full go at practice, I don't think, for the entire fall. Uh, as I've tried to be very smart, I'm not re-aggravating that back injury. Uh, he's played at times, but I'm sure that it's not the amount of snaps that he wanted to in his junior year. Has had his moments, but uh, they really need him to step up, and I, I do wonder how much that bye week benefited him to kind of give him a little bit of a break. Um, besides Brock Bowers, you know, we know he's not going to play. We're, we're – uh, questioning whether or not he will make the trip. Some other pretty big questions for this Georgia team in terms of injuries. Amarius Mims has been hurt um, since the South Carolina game, had ankle surgery after that, um, has been working his way back. It does sound like he has been able to practice a, a bit this week, um, not full go. Uh, Xavier Truss, who also got hurt on the same drive that Brock Bowers got hurt uh, at Vanderbilt uh, about midway through the second quarter. Uh, I know that that was a very tough sequence of events for Georgia fans. Sounds like he is a little bit ahead of uh, of Amarius. Um, it's sort of a question of durability with those guys. Both those guys were dealing with ankle injuries. Um, so it will be interesting to see if either one of those guys starts or which I think this could be the option Georgia goes with true freshman Monroe Freeling, who wound up stepping in uh, when trust got hurt, played really, really well. I mean, he's a guy that he's rotated in a bit, but he is definitely not an experienced guy, former four star uh, recruit. Um, so it's going to be interesting how they sort of balance the um, reps there. If they decide that trust is ready to go, um, will they let him start? Do they lean on the true freshman? And how do they mix Mims in? Because I, I don't think they're going to let him go full go. Again, he's not really that long removed from that ankle injury. And you think about those big guys moving on the ankle, moving on that foot, uh, very, very challenging. Uh, it's going to be something we are going to be watching closely on Saturday. Uh, Graham, I figure we would kind of bounce back and forth uh, just with general questions about these two teams. And I'll throw it to you um, with Florida. Uh, what areas do you feel like Graham Mertz has improved on the most? Again, there were some questions I feel like a lot of people had after the season opener against Utah, uh, but it seems like he has been super efficient since then and has continued to put Florida in position to win games. Yeah, I think that you got to give Florida some credit too, as well as Graham Mertz, of course. I'll start with an intangible. The guy is getting a fresh start, and you've seen what that can do for, for Bo Nix and you know, absolutely. That's, I think, a factor here where, you know, the guy is absolutely just capable of, you know, a fresh start uh, at a new place. And when you have an offense that can be tailored around what he did well, if you go back to what he did 
at Wisconsin. Look at his statistics when he was in 12 personnel, right? I think he was completing 80% of his passes when they did run 12 personnel in Wisconsin. They didn't run it a whole bunch, but if you follow the Gators, Billy Napier has historically loved to use 12 man. He runs it about 35, 40% of the time. And so when you have a a coach that really likes to do it and you bring in a quarterback who's really successful in it, I think that that can lead to some very impressive statistics. And you look at Graham Mertz, I think that is certainly the case, been very, very efficient. One of the most, you know, highly rated passers in the NCAA heading into this game has cut down on the turnovers that I think were a concern, not just for the fan base, but also for the Gators, because you go from Anthony Richardson for as dynamic as he was, he was absolutely a guy who was prone to some poor decision-making at times because he was a 20-year-old first-year guy. And I think that when you have that situation there, that is absolutely, you know, that's something that can kill you, especially you factor in the clock change rules, everything else Florida's dealing with. So for Graham Mertz, you get a guy who is is capable to come in and have some success. You see a veteran and Florida's tailored their offense around him. He's playing free. I think you you bring it all together and you get this guy who's able to live up to those high expectations he had when he initially got to Wisconsin. But there are some things he can still work on, of course. One of them, I think, is you know holding on to the ball a little bit too long here. He is a guy who he goes through his reads. He does like the check down. He's really good on screens. But he is looking for the explosive deep pass a lot of the time. The way Florida's offensive line has been banged up, I touched on that with Kingsley. But, of course, it hasn't just been Kingsley. Austin Barber has missed a game. They've had to rotate at other positions as well. Maybe you've got some ineffective plays some, from some other guys that they were hoping to be a lot better with. Th- that absolutely is a situation where the pocket could be cleaner. He could get more continuity along the offensive line, but knowing that he's dealing with that, he sometimes is going to have to be comfortable getting the ball out quicker, throwing it away because they clearly need him at quarterback, right? I know that sounds obvious. You, you need to protect the quarterback. You need your quarterback, but you look at the depth situation behind him not getting Jaden Rashada into the program, losing a quarterback last year due to a, a you know an undesirable circumstance. This is a situation where if you lose Graham Mertz, it's a huge drop-off for your offense. And I think that he needs to make sure that he protects himself. I mean, he had a bunch of bumps and bruises heading into the bye week. So I, I think that that was a focus for him was getting some rest and recovery. But obviously he is not the only efficient quarterback in this matchup you know I think Florida fans are very familiar with Carson Beck he was someone the Gators pursued as well at the same time that they were going after Anthony Richardson I I think that he has waited his turn obviously he's been in the system for years but you are in my opinion it's pretty rare that you have this first year quarterback first year starting quarterback who comes in and is this efficient what do you make of Carson Beck's season so far what has he done well what do the Gators have to watch out for And, and maybe are some things that they could take advantage of that Carson is still working on as he becomes this, you know, experienced poised quarterback at Georgia. It's funny to have watched him through seven starts because you go back to that season opener against UT Martin, you could kind of see the nerves. You could kind of tell that he knew sort of the moment and he didn't play poorly, but you could just sort of tell there were missed opportunities and a lot of credit to Carson Beck. I feel like he grew from that moment and continued to improve over the course of the games to come. He has stepped up, uh, avoided mostly um, really critical mistakes. I believe he's got four interceptions to this point, but on the whole has done a very good job of taking care of the football. I think the biggest thing that has helped him, and Kirby Smart talked about this even before uh, we got to the season, 
that he is all that Carson is always calm, cool, and collected. That when things are going well, he's not overly hyped. If things go badly, he's not a guy that's causing issues or showing, uh, you know, is very emotional in those moments. He just sort of rides that even kill manner. And I think that has helped him. And I think you look at situations like the second half of South Carolina. Uh, they're down 14 to three, and there really was no sign in that first half that they were going to be able to move the ball to score the 11 points that they would need to even tie it if they were able to stop South Carolina. He did a very good job there. On the road at Auburn, his first road start, they started really slow. Uh, he did a very good job in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter, of picking Auburn apart and helping Georgia get the 27 to 20 victory. Uh, I think just on the whole, he's done a very good job. You mentioned how rare it is for a guy. Uh, to be a first-year starter and to employ, have played like he has, and Kirby has really harped on the fact that he's been in this system. He sort of knows the expectations. He backed up uh, Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels when he did. So he sort of understood uh, when it was his turn, what it was going to look like. Um, so I think he's done a very good job there. From the Florida perspective, I feel like their best chance, and it's pretty simple, but it's to cause him to – uh, turn the ball over to make mistakes. You know, they've he had a fumble uh, in the Vanderbilt game. I believe that was on Georgia's first drive. Uh, gets sacked, blindside hit. He drops the ball and they recover. Another point uh, when uh, in that game, um, there was a, a mishandled snap between the center and Carson. The center later took responsibility for what happened, but uh, nearly another turnover. The center picked up the ball and wound up picking up six yards on a big third and one. So it, it kind of worked out for Georgia. And then the moment in the Vanderbilt game that sort of had us all going, this game isn't over. Uh, Carson nearly throws a pick six, probably about midway through the fourth quarter, gets to about the two. It sets up a Vanderbilt touchdown that winds up making an eight-point contest. On the whole, he's done a very good job of taking care of the football, but he's just got to cut down on turnovers. You look at a game like this, uh, Graham, I, I kind of think we're of the mindset that this will be a pretty competitive game. Um, you got to keep in mind how little the margin for error is. And Carson has to come into here, uh, play this game well, take care of the football. Again, this is going to be interesting to see how he handles this. This is a return home from him. He's from Jacksonville, Mandarin High School. Uh, how does he play? How well does he take care of the football? It's going to be something that we're going to be watching closely in this game. Uh, Graham, I'll throw it back to you. Tell me about some of the skilled players on the offense for Graham Mertz, the guys that Georgia fans should know about and uh, guys that we could see make really big plays on Saturday. I think the obvious one is Ricky Pearsall went over 2,000 yards in his career. A guy who is, I just think, improving on a game-by-game -game basis. I think he's benefited from the second return of Billy Gonzalez, a guy who helped Florida win national championships under Urban Meyer, was back here under Dan Mullen, and now he returns under Billy Napier after being uh, down south at, at FAU for a little bit. I think that that's a guy who one thing that's been consistent with him is that he puts an onus on footwork, and especially within the first five yards, uh, making sure your hips are in the right spot as you accelerate through your route. He is a guy who is just known for improving wide receivers, and I think that that is the case in just the eight short months that he's been here, only got here in, in early March, right before spring camp. I think that's part of the reason why they were able to get him. Um, you know, Kerry Colbert ends up going to the Denver Broncos for that job right after the NFL season. And you get a guy who is familiar with the landscape. He's been recruiting the state of Florida and he's, you know, well-liked and, and revered at Florida. And I think that his addition, re-addition, you call it, has definitely helped 
Ricky Pearsall and a lot of these other young wide receivers. I think Ricky is the main one you got to know, but the Gators through seven games have gradually developed, I think, a few more sure-handed options. I'll, I'll give you one at the tight end position. Actually, I'll give you two at the tight end position. Arliss Boardingham, just because how much Florida uses the tight end position, I think there's two you now have to account for, and that wasn't really the case at the beginning of the season. Both these guys, Hayden Hansen, who was committed to Billy Napier while at Louisiana, a former quarterback who joins the program. He commits to Louisiana. Billy Napier takes the Florida job, and then Billy Napier wants him to join him in Gainesville. And, and now you're seeing in his second season that this is a guy, really good blocker, has improved as a pass-catching option. His footwork has gotten better, and now he's become a red zone threat for the Gators. The other one is Arliss Boardingham. I've been kind of calling him Kyle Pitts light in a sense. He's not as big as Kyle Pitts, but it's the same skill set where this is a big body, great hands, impressive wingspan, and he just knows how to get open. He's more athletic. You can't really cover him with a linebacker in the open field. He's going to be a mismatch. And you've seen him recently really blossom in my mind and make good on that potential uh, word that we've heard thrown around for so much. And some people think potential, think a guy's going to come in and instantly kill it. No, they think that this is what's going to happen when they learn the position, have time to develop within the system, learn the playbook, and then get confident. And I think you're seeing that with two second-year guys in Arliss Portingham and Hayden Hansen. Obviously, they're running backs in Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne are guys you're going to have to account for, especially because they both improved as pass catchers out of the block, out of the backfield. And Florida loves to throw behind the line of scrimmage. They love to throw uh, screens to these guys, wide receiver screens as well, and let them go, you know, speed and space, go make something happen. The big one, though, that I really think is going to have – I think he's going to be a factor in this game. It's a freshman in Eugene Wilson III. His dad, two-time Super Bowl winning champion with the New England Patriots, was a safety there. Eugene was playing defensive back until three years ago, and now he's playing the wide receiver position – has really, really made a lot of great strides. He is just absolutely dynamic. He kind of gives you, he's not as big as Percy Harvin, but the way he makes guys miss, how good he is in the open field, how quick he is, agile, he is absolutely you know a touchdown waiting to happen every time he gets the ball in his hands. If you go to that South Carolina game, Florida had a critical drive there at the end where they rallied to win that game. Graham Mertz throws a little bit behind Ricky Pearsall. The ball goes off Ricky's hands, and Eugene Wilson doesn't break stride catches it right away, keeps going. He wasn't even surprised by that. And, you know, a big moment for a kid who's 18 years old, a mid-year enrollee who only got here in June. And so to already be making an impact in less than four, four and a half months on campus, I think that's huge. I think he's going to be a factor in this game. He's already got 26 receptions as a freshman. I, I think that he is someone who could be a huge factor in this game. And, and Georgia fans should absolutely watch for him. I think Georgia's defense is obviously going to try to account for him. I think, you know, when you look at what Georgia has in terms of weapons, you, everyone thinks Brock Bowers, but the way that they've recruited, there are tons of weapons, I think, waiting to break out. Guys who've been on this roster for three, four years. Obviously, Bowers isn't going to go. And you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that Georgia, for the first time in a past couple of years, really you can define them as a pass first team. I know that Stetson Bennett was a more than capable quarterback, but this is a team that looks like that they've had a lot more success through the air than they have in recent years. How do they do that? I know it's not just Bowers. He His presence changes how other guys are covered. Without him being in there, is it going to be more difficult for some of these guys to get open? And, and same question back to you in a sense. Who are Florida fans? Because, you know, Brock's, you know, he's the hot name, but he's not going to be there. Who are they going to have to watch for in this game? 
which guy could have a breakout performance that turns this game into, you know, a win in Georgia's favor. Yeah, when you look at the past game this year, I mean, the, the biggest thing is they just have a plethora of options. This is the deepest receiver room that I think that Georgia's had since Kirby Smart has been there. Went and got Dominic Lovett from Missouri, went and got Rara Thomas from Mississippi State. And both those guys have really shined. And when I look at this game, Rara Thomas is the guy that I'm looking for. X receiver, you know, big guy on the outside. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they really try to attack, especially when you look at some of the plays South Carolina made in that game against Florida, seemed like they were able to out-physical Florida at times and make some big plays down the field. Uh, the thing that really helps Georgia when you consider not having Brock Bowers is that they've done a pretty good job of spreading the ball around. I mean, uh, Dominic Lovett, who I mentioned, nine receptions against Vanderbilt. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the ball quite a bit. Um, Lad McConkey, I think, will be involved. Um, Dylan Bell, who has played a good bit of running back, uh, is actually a receiver. Wouldn't be surprised to see him step up and and try to make plays in the passing game. And a big piece of the passing game being the way it is, and, and it kind of makes me interested in what this game winds up looking like. It's kind of been out of necessity. Running back has been really banged up for Georgia this year. Dejan Edwards has been their main back. He missed the first two games with an MCL injury. He's been good since then. Kendall Milton's kind of been the second guy, that sort of thunder and lightning duo they got there. He got hurt again against Vanderbilt. He had missed uh, some time after getting hurt in the South Carolina game. It sounds like he'll be back, uh, but they've had a lot of questions at running back. As I mentioned, Dylan Bell had taken some snaps there. Uh, Cash Jones, who's a walk-on, who has gotten a decent bit of playing time at the position. So it's going to be interesting to see. I still think that they understand that they've got the weapons to continue throwing the ball. Um, but I do think that they're going to have to rely on Dejon Edwards. I think that they understand there is a real opportunity to attack this Florida defense uh, when it comes to the ground game to try to maybe not quite replicate what Kentucky did. I don't know if anyone will be able to do what Ray Davis did in that game. Uh, but I do think uh, that they see an opportunity there and they're able to run the ball well early if they're able to kind of take that pressure off Carson Beck. Not only is that going to help him play better, but it could very well set up some play action opportunities. It could make things easier for the passing game and what's going to be, I think, a very competitive game. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit about the defense and then talk about what we expect to see on Saturday. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Graham, I'll start with you, and we can just quickly talk about each defense. Who are the defenders that stand out to you on this Florida defense? Who are the names that we may hear quite a bit when we get to Jacksonville on Saturday? I think that Princely Umen Mielen is one that I think fans have heard of not just in Gainesville because he has had, I think a really impressive season, even if he doesn't have the sack numbers that he would desire to have. And I think so many people harp on sack numbers that they kind of use that as a determinant of whether a guy is successful in winning their pass rush or not. And that is, that's not the case. He has the highest pass rush win percentage 
in the country. Uh, at least that was the case last week. I'm going to have to go back and look if anyone was able to pass him during the bye week. But he's winning, you know, his pass rush matchup a good bit of the time. I mean, over 30%, I believe now. That's extremely, extremely good. Um, I think that the sacks will just naturally come. If it's not him, he's helping put pressure on the quarterback. And as you mentioned, that can force some turnovers. I think that the guys around him, especially the interior of the defensive line, Cam Jackson, number 99 in there, Caleb Banks, two big additions from the transfer portal. Interior of the defensive line was a huge thing for Florida to address in the offseason. Really just had Javon Dexter senior last year, the second round pick by the Chicago Bears. So that was a huge improvement for Florida. I think fans have heard of Shamar James. They may not have heard of Scooby Williams, but those are two really, really young linebackers that look really good in Austin Armstrong's defense, another name that is familiar up there in Athens. And then I'll say Jason Marshall Jr., you know, not to criticize the young man, but I don't think he really has played up to his abilities this season. That's not totally his fault. Once again, a lot of young pieces around him, a very, uh, a little bit of, you know, some more wrinkles in defense that he's learning as well. Still just a third year guy, but I'm actually kind of looking for him. I got a weird feeling that he's going to have a, 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 really impactful play in this game. He doesn't get targeted too much. I mean, last year you go back, he, he was hardly targeted at times. If he can, if they can take advantage of, you know, a poor throw or, a, you know, a ability to jump a route, which he absolutely has, he's really physical as a, as a coverage corner in man coverage. If he can take advantage of, you know, a mistimed throw or a mistake by this, you know, younger quarterback in a sense in Carson Beck. I, I think that that could be a potential game changing play for Florida's part. Otherwise around those guys, you're looking at a lot of first and second year players, which is so different than I know what Georgia's defense kind of looks like. I know that they have young talent, but they've had so much young talent. At least this is, I think the, the stereotype, whatever you want to call it, the outsider belief that a lot of their guys who maybe haven't played so much, they're still third and fourth year guys. Who are the ones that Florida fans are going to have to watch out for? Who's Graham Mertz going to have to account for that could be in this game? Do they have as many first and second year guys seeing the field as the Gators do? I mean, there's double digit underclassmen playing for Florida. Is that the case in Athens? A little bit more experienced, I would say, on the whole. You do have some pretty big exceptions like uh, sophomore Dalen Everett, who is starting corner at corner opposite of Kamari Lassiter. Uh, Malachi Starks is the biggest one, sophomore. I think he's well on his way to being an All-American this year. He's played really, really well. Uh, 24 is somebody that Florida and Graham Mertz specifically are going to have to watch out for. On the other side, it's really been a lot of experienced guys who have kind of waited their turn. Javon Bullard, who played at Star last year, he's a junior. Playing safety now has done a very good job. The two inside linebackers, Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Smile Munden, both juniors were Georgia's two leading tacklers last year, uh, have done a very good job. And I feel like they've really come on, and I'll be interested to see how they play against the run. The other guy I would look at is Michael Williams, who is young, who is a sophomore, former five-star. Uh, I feel like that he's still kind of waiting to really flip the switch this year. He had a very good second half against South Carolina, which was huge, and getting pressure on Spencer Rattler after a first half where that just didn't happen. Uh, Georgia's pass rush, I think, is still lacking a little bit. Sacks aren't everything, um, but there is still room for them to improve in terms of havoc. Uh, and I think that starts with number 13 with Michael Williams to see what he is able to do. Uh, Graham, when we look to this game, what has to go right for Florida? What, what needs to break Florida's way? Uh, and if you want to give a score prediction, by all means, go for it. 
Yeah, I think Florida has to play turnover free football. I think that Graham Mertz has done a good job with that, but still his receivers at times have let him down. He, like I mentioned with Ricky Pearsall, that if that ball is behind him, Eugene Wilson's not always going to be there to be the guy to pick it up. You know, that could have been a game changing turnover. Florida has to make sure that they avoid those against the best defense they're going to face all season long, right? So this is going to be a huge test for them in that department. You got to take advantage of critical possessions. I think Florida has to start fast. We saw that against South Carolina, but otherwise, the and, and at the end against South Carolina, let me mention that for sure, where Florida rallies from, from you know, double-digit deficit to win that game in the final seconds there. They have to start and finish fast to have a chance in this game. They have to play with urgency, and they're going to have to establish the run. You know, you can't just solely rely on Graham Mertz to go out there and sling that thing 45 times, and you have a chance to to win this game. You cannot be one-dimensional. They're going to need the run game to have a chance in this contest. I do think Florida has one of their better performances of the season. I think that, you know, like I said, with a rivalry game, I think Graham Mertz is going to be on it. I think they'll have benefited from the bye week, just like the dogs have. I kind of see this being a little bit of a closer game in the fourth quarter where I, I do think it's going to be a one score game in the fourth quarter. Now that doesn't mean that it couldn't end up being a 21 point Georgia win, but right now I do think based on what we saw at South Carolina, you can rip me for this in Athens guys. You can absolutely let me hear it in the comments, go to swamp two, four, seven, go to dogs, two, four, seven. Tell me I look like Bob Ross, whatever it is, criticize me for my opinion. I'm okay with it, but I do think that Florida is going to be in this contest, and it's going to be 31-27 Georgia. The talent gap is still too wide for the Gators to overcome. I think Georgia can play an imperfect game. The Gators can be perfect, and at the end of the day, that may not get it done. So it's all about for Florida inching closer to being that competitive team, and I think a lot of Florida fans can take solace in the fact that Florida is recruiting at an elite level, a very similar level to Georgia right now. Those two programs have two of the top three rated classes right now on 247 Sports. So if that continues for the Gators and they keep evaluating well in the transfer portal, they're going to get here. And sooner than later, I'm going to pick Florida to win in this matchup, but I can't do it right now. I don't know if you're going to pick Florida. I, I know that you may be, you know, some fans may find you outside your house, egg your house a little bit, but where are you leaning in this matchup? What's it going to take for Georgia to get it done besides just showing up, no disrespect to him, uh, to the Gators there. But I do think, you know, this matchup could be closer. Are you, are you agreeing or disagreeing with me? How do you think this thing shakes out? Yeah, I do agree, Graham. I think that Florida is going to cover that spread. I've got Georgia 27, 17. I think it's going to be like you mentioned, I think it's going to be a one possession game. Once you go into the fourth quarter, I think Georgia does just enough to pull away. My big keys are kind of more on offense, running the ball, as we mentioned. I think that they've got to do that, get Dejan Edwards going, and really anybody behind him just because they've been so banged up. And I do think Kendall Milton will be able to play, and he has looked good in the recent games. Just need him to be able to go out there. Besides that, I think that you need a big game from someone like Rara Thomas. I think that there's got to be that explosive piece of this Georgia offense. I think that Carson Beck's going to want to go out there and fling it. You know, he's going to be excited playing in his hometown again. I think Rara Thomas is a guy that can make a lot of big plays. Uh, looking on the defensive side, to me, they just have to limit the amount of times that Florida is able to get in the red zone. For, uh, Georgia's defense has not allowed a whole lot of trips to the red zone, but once teams have gotten there, they've scored uh, pretty regularly. I think it's 11 touchdowns on 17 trips. So, Georgia's defense really just needs to clamp down in that aspect. Uh, and then again, make Graham Mertz uncomfortable. Maybe you make him make a mistake, which we have not seen uh, opponents do very often for Florida this year. 
you're able to, to make him uncomfortable, I think that would go a long way uh, in helping Georgia's cause in this game. So I've got Georgia 27-17. I'll shout out uh, the co-workers at Dogs 24-7. Ben Wolk's got Georgia 31, Florida 17, and Kip Adams has Georgia 34, Florida 14. So I feel like we're kind of all over the place. A couple blowouts, a couple of us thinking it's going to be a pretty tight game. Uh, Graham, I really appreciate you popping on for this podcast. Any parting thoughts before we get out of here? And I think you're headed to interviews and I'm headed to interviews in Athens. So we are uh, keeping uh, the clock going and a lot of good work ahead of us. No, you guys do a fantastic job up there. Always love checking out your coverage, getting a feel. I really feel like I, I learn a lot about the team when I read your site. And I'm, I'm hoping that everyone subscribers feel the same way. Make sure you follow Dogs 247, Swamp 247 as well. It's going to be absolutely a very interesting i think competitive matchup on saturday it usually is exciting no matter what team you're a fan of one thing i wanted to mention here if you're a florida fan and you followed this special teams has certainly been an issue for florida all season long they have a lot more solid play at kicker now in trey smack but that was a kicking battle early on we've seen some mistakes we've seen 10 guys on the field for field goal attempts field goal blocks that continued against South Carolina. If this is a close game and the Gators have a chance here and, and they make a special teams mistake, that is absolutely going to, I think, verify a lot of those concerns. But if it's that close where Florida's within, you know, three, six points and they have a chance to do it, I, I do think that there's, you know, not to say moral victories here. There's a lot of people who are going to look around and say that Florida is improving, but I could be completely wrong. You guys may be totally right that it's going to be a blowout. I'll eat crow at Swamp 247. If I'm wrong, if it's not competitive, make sure to let me hear it. And we got to do this again. Basketball season is right around the corner. I know we'll be talking a lot later about that for sure. An exciting time up there in Athens, landing some top five-star recruits right now. So a lot of great coverage of Dogs 247. Check out Swamp 247 as well. And thanks for having me, man. We got to make sure to do this again soon. Absolutely. Always enjoy it. We're going to get out there for Graham Hall. I am Jordan Hill. I appreciate everyone who watched this, everyone who has listened to this after the fact. Until next time, take care, everybody.